there's plenty of bad news out there. And I have to say that this week, the bad news has pierced my heart. Sometimes when we see the riots overseas or the famines and the wars, it grieves us because we know somewhere, somehow, that it's humankind that's suffering. But we don't know them personally. We've never met them, never touched them. It's very different when you've actually been to the village that's burning or when the people you see dying on TV once passed you on the street. I'm Dean Kirshner, and I'm the Gospel Inc. Field Director for Ukraine. I've been to Ukraine five times. I know these people. There's over 70 national preachers in Ukraine that are being sponsored on a monthly basis by churches and by individuals like you. I have personally met nearly all of them. I've cried three days this last week. But you know what those national preachers from Ukraine did for me this week? It's a beautiful song, and you can find it on YouTube. But what you're listening to in the background was sent to me through WhatsApp from Pastor Vadim, who lives in Zaporozhye, Ukraine. It was a live recording he sent to me of the church choir that met last Sunday. That's right, they met last Sunday. Do you ever have trouble getting to church on time? How about last Sunday? The Christians in Zaporozhye gathered, though military front lines were only 30 miles away. And the nuclear power plant that you heard about on the news, the one the Russian army captured on Thursday, that was only 20 miles away from where they sang that song. One line from this song says, I believe that one day he will lead me to the holy skies where we will praise our Father's love. I believe in the one who dwells in human hearts, giving comfort and peace in the most difficult of times. If you want to hear the whole translation and see these young people who sang last Sunday, I have posted a six-minute video on YouTube. You can find the link at cupofgoodnews.org or just go to YouTube and type in Gospel Link Ukraine Report 2022. That's Gospel Link Ukraine Report 2022. Jesus was good enough to tell us that earthquakes, famines, and pandemics, that's right, COVID, and wars were coming. We shouldn't be surprised. Now, I'm not saying that these are reasons to rejoice, except for the fact that they precede his coming. I can, however, say that I'm thankful that he told us they would come. Another verse that is very special to me from the Old Testament is from Isaiah 59, 
where it says in verse 19, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. There are so many applications to this verse because the enemy does sweep in. He moves through our country promoting lies like there is no absolute truth or the idea that everyone and anyone can choose what is moral in their own eyes. We feel the enemy attack our joy and our peace through fear or depression. Watching the news feels like watching the enemy's floods in our government, in our school systems, in our streets, and in our cities. But there's a promise. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Now, this is a warfare verse. I mean, the word enemy is used. And the very idea of a flood pictures a wave of human warriors cascading down a hillside or swarming a fortress like ants. In the old days, there were no two-way radios, no walkie-talkies. Even in the battles of World War I, they used runners and cavalry for expedient communication. In the days of hand-to-hand -hand combat, the standard was in some ways a means of communication, as well as a focal point of direction. The standard was the flag, the banner. It was the sign that the general or the commanding officer was in place and committed. By viewing the standard, a warrior knew the status of the overall battle. When the standard moved forward, it showed that one's troops were advancing. When it fell back, one didn't flee, but rather cautiously backed up to hold the line. It was not unless the standard fell to the ground that the route was on. When the enemy had so overwhelmed the force that even the standard bearer could no longer hold up, then the army was in trouble. But what does the scripture say? When the spiritual enemies come in like a flood, then the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. Now, the verse does not define that standard, but we know through other scriptures what a standard in the army of God looks like. That standard, in some instances, is righteousness. When the culture embraces reprobation and profanity pervades every movie, God will cause his people to stand and say, No! Thus saith the Lord, hallowed be thy name, and hallowed be my body. In some ages, the standard is the martyr. When Mao and Stalin and Nero and the Gestapo try to eradicate the church, the blood of the saints prepares the soil for a new generation. The standard is the scriptures. That standard in itself is a weapon. It is a truth statement that the commander is still commanding. The standard is the church. The standard is the gospel itself. These cannot fail. And though the foe may rage and gather as a flood, let the standard be displayed. The standard is being displayed in Ukraine today. And that is why I have named this episode, The Flood and the Standard. The unprovoked invasion began on February 24th, and it stunned nearly everyone in Ukraine. 
Certainly the refugees would have fled a week earlier if they had known the impending aggression and the destruction that was to come against them. I am quite confident that none of the Gospel Inc. preachers have left Ukraine, partly because the government has issued a decree that forbids the departure of any men between the ages of 18 and 60, but more in part because these are men of God and they are trying to reach their people with the gospel. Why would they flee when their people need more help than ever? Their people will be praying and looking for God's answers and God's hope more than ever before. Vadim Bitterkov wrote to me through WhatsApp. He told me that people are desperate. There are plenty of bitter atheists in eastern Ukraine. And then there are those who bear animosity toward evangelicals because they have been taught that anything not of the Orthodox Church is corrupted and a cult. Vadim told me that even these people who scorn and ridiculed in the past are now coming to the church. Not for praise and worship, but because the church building has a basement that can be used in time of an air raid or missile strike. The Christians who are also gathered in the basement are showing grace and praying with these first-time visitors. Ah, that's good news. Vadim told me about the gas meter woman with whom he has had plenty of conversations in the past. She's a talkative woman. But this week she mourned to him, how can we survive the horrors of this kind of life? Vadim has explained the gospel to her before. Is her soul really open now? Or is she just bemoaning the tragedies of a sinful world? Vadim answered her, this life can only be born with a hope in God. March 8th is a big holiday in the former USSR. It's International Women's Day. Kind of like a Mother's Day, but for all women, mothers are not. For decades, this has been a day when flowers are purchased and toasts are raised and women are honored publicly and at work and around the family dining tables. I am sad to say that some women in Ukraine died this year on March 8th. But do you know what happened in Zaporozhye? There's a Christian businessman who lives there, and he owns a florist shop. Now, March 8th is akin to our Valentine's Day. It's the big payday for florists. But not this year. When the bombs are falling, suddenly your cash flow becomes less of a focus in life. The florist called Vadim, and together they organized a large outreach on Tuesday. All afternoon, the Christians approached ladies on the street and congratulated them. These are difficult times, they said, but we want to honor you. And with a smile and a bouquet, they also offered New Testaments to the people. Ah, that's good news. <sighs> Heavy on my heart, are the 10 preachers supported through Gospel Inc. who live in the Kharkov region. Was that their apartment I saw on the news, shredded by mortar attacks? Are they in a basement waiting for a ceasefire? Are they helping get civilians to safety? I don't know. I don't know. 
Our regional coordinator there is a man named Gennady, and no one could reach him for over a week. When I say no one, I mean our network of other Gospelink men. Just two days ago, though, we heard from him, and he is safe. But his location and his whereabouts are unknown at this time, at least to me. I know that's not exactly good news, but there are moments when I simply rest in the truth that the standard bearer reigns from Mount Zion, and he sees his troops, and he sends them his peace and provision and leads them. Nikolai Proshak is not in Zaporozhye, though that is where he worked in orphanages and led dozens of Bible clubs for the last 20 years. Nikolai is in the get the refugees out chain. People need cars, directions, houses to stay in at night. More than once I have taught at one of Nikolai's Bible clubs. And though I have been able to get a hold of him yet, I know he is calmly driving children and women toward the Polish border. He tells them about his own wife and daughters. He also tells them about his peace and hope in a Lord who is not made with hands. Again, I haven't heard from Nikolai yet. I just know him. I know who he is. He is not just a refugee courier. Today, he is a standard that the Lord has raised up who is displaying peace and truth. Vadim Chlobas lives in Ujgorod. He sent me footage that I have included on the YouTube video. Tractor trailers and warehouses are receiving and delivering food, clothes, soap, and basic necessities. It looks like it's going to get worse in Ukraine before it gets better. But the church there is preparing. Vadim has two sons. I've had lunch with them back when they were little. They're the same ages as my sons. When the invasion began, they were studying in Kiev. Vadim took a train to Kiev. It's over 500 miles away from Ujgorod. He told me that the plan was to bring his boys and a couple ladies back in two cars. He got to Kiev, and there was already gunfire and shelling. Bridges were already closed. By the time he got out of Kiev, his party included 19 people and seven cars, and he said, a lot of adrenaline. Yaroslav lives in Ivano-Frankivsk. I've heard from him as well. His city is a key hub in western Ukraine. It's the main city before refugees hurdle the Carpathian Mountains and descend onto the plains of Romania, Hungary, and Slovakia. Yaroslav wrote to me five days ago saying, There are beds for refugees in all classes of our Sunday school in our church. Now we have 50 permanent refugees, and another 20 spend one to two nights and continue their way to the border. Of course, we do not only provide accommodation and food for refugees. As far as circumstances allow, we try to talk about hope in God. We need dedicated and trained people to communicate with refugees. We need food funds to purchase food. We have some products that believers grow, but we need to buy a lot. Thank you for praying for us. With love, Yaroslav. There is a standard in Ivano-Frankivsk.
I wish I had more cold waters from this far country. I know that Stepan Vasilievich is safe, though I don't know where he is. He wrote and said he would write when he could. I haven't heard from Vladimir Semyonov. I haven't heard from Sergei Novikov. I know that Pastor Vadim Proshak met with 37 people for a prayer meeting last Friday. I'll post that photo on the website. They're all young people. In the photo, they're smiling. Some of them are the same people that sang in the choir two days later, I believe in Jesus the Almighty. He is holy. I will praise him every moment and every hour, they sang. Pastor Vadim wrote to me earlier this week, We are about 20 miles away from the front line, and people are sleeping in basements. All across the country, things are bad. We are relatively safe. My feelings are, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I read Vadim's words, and I saw that his quote was from 2 Chronicles 20. But I didn't know instantly which story was quoted here. So I looked it up. 2 Chronicles 20. It's Jehoshaphat. The Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Edomites have all joined forces and are invading Judah. Jehoshaphat can't stop them. Jehoshaphat doesn't have the forces. He doesn't have a no-fly zone. He doesn't have the capability to execute sanctions. Though, I'm guessing trade stoppage sort of happened naturally back then. But Jehoshaphat, like Vadim, turns his eyes to the Lord, our Lord. We know him today as Yeshua, Comforter, Father, Papa. This is our God, the standard raiser. And as I read the rest of the passage on my own, and eventually to my children, I read God's response. He said, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Jehoshaphat then bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all the inhabitants fell before the Lord, worshiping. I know that this is the Old Testament, when God had a special and a peculiar covenant with Israel. But our God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. How it must have moved his heart to hear his people's cry and to see them worship in humility and in need. We've all heard that missions exist today because worship does not exist everywhere. In reading this passage, I envision Ukrainians bowing and worshiping and repenting before a God they have long rejected and ignored. And Jehoshaphat said to his people, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Here we go,
He appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. These are Ukrainians singing. They're singing in Russian to the Lord. He does not leave any one of us without the offer of forgiveness, they're singing. On the cross, he shed his sacred blood for us. I believe that one day the resurrection will occur for the sake of my soul. He told me to rise and sin no more and serve him. And I believe. That, my friend, is good news. There's photos and more at the website, cupofgoodnews.org, cupofgoodnews.org. Pray for Ukraine and pray for Russia.